Good day, good afternoon, good whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. You are checking out yet another Woke and Baked. And today, my guest is Alan Warner, brother of former guest of the show, Tobin Warner, and part owner of Warner Brothers Horticulture and the Warner Brothers Outpost, a new cannabis dispensary that just opened up on the Sterling Highway in uh, the old Mosquito Lodge. Now, we talk about that uh, in the conversation with uh, with Alan, but I got to tell you, it's really hard to hear. So to try and compensate for the fact that the audio sucks, I put some of my musical compositions underneath the conversation. Now, let me know if you can hear it. If you can't, I'll release the audio without the music, but it's hard to listen to without it. Now, I've got some new equipment. I'm still trying to figure out how to use it properly. I promise I will have it figured out. I will have this son of a biscuit licked, and I will figure it out for all of us. So, like I said, the audio is pretty terrible, and this conversation was recorded in the back of the Warner Brothers Outpost dispensary. So, you hear things like people coming in and out, you hear the door dinger thing going on when there's a customer, you hear all of that stuff. Alright, this this conversation occurred in a room, not in a studio. For uh, that reason, the audio is, it's not great. It's not great. Hopefully the music makes up for it. Now, after I'm done with the intro, I'm going to play the Marina Athens song that I produced uh, for Ethan Berkowitz. Uh, because we reference it during the conversation, and I don't want you to have to wait for the whole uh, interview to get done to listen to the song, because uh, the song's cool. Like, I had fun doing it, and it's been a while. I'm kind of proud of it. And it came up in conversation as something that I didn't do, but it was something that I did. So, like, I might as well share it and show it off, because I'm kind of proud of it. It's like when someone tells you that something is awesome and they don't know that you are the one responsible for the awesomeness. So you give it to them. You're like, here's my awesome thing. Anywho, we talk about that. We talk about taxes. We talk about why I think the capital of uh, Alaska needs to be moved from Juneau to Anchorage. We talk about a lot of different things. Some of them you might find interesting. Some you might not. I just appreciate you getting this far in the intro. Like, I I really do. You're like two minutes and 45 seconds in and you haven't turned off. You're a trooper. I told you the audio was going to suck. And you're still here with me. So, thanks for being with me. Got a whole lot of stuff coming up that I want to rattle off. Now, on July 8th, Alaska Red is coming in town. D Gutta is coming back with him. So is big homie OZ. And IB Lit is going to be coming down. He performed uh, kind of an unannounced opening act during the Chris Calico show back in September, August or September. Anywho. All right. So. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to play that Marina Athens joint right about now, and then I'm going to give you the interview with uh, Alan Warner. I like Alan. Alan's a good guy. I would actually, you know what? Alan is the guy that I want to interview Brett Hunter Albright. Now, the last interview with Brett Hunter Albright is available on the YouTube page. However, uh, the audio on that also came out really, really bad. It's it's almost like, it's almost like somebody wants... That my conversations with uh, Mr. Uh, Brett Hunter Albright to not be heard by the masses. I don't know who could possibly be behind that, Mr. Zuckerberg. All right. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Right now, a little bit of Marina Athens with, uh, I don't know, I love you. Loser. Have a great, have a great Friday, you motherfucker. Have a great, have a great Friday, you motherfucker. Keep it. I love you, you motherfucker. You human piece of living fucking shit. Loser. Have a great. 
Um, so you switch from a nitrate based to ammonia to ammonia based. As you transition the product as far as what is the more beneficial nitrogen. Um, and when you're doing organic, um, the team of microbes both explains really well on how the plant tends to develop relationship and the rise here in the root zone. Um, kind of help regulate that so the plant will actually feed and help propagate the ones that it wants that are going to help break down um, whatever's in the soil, even if you're going to have base or to a bug base. Um, and we're, what we do is we just have all synthetic based nutrients and we're doing that synthetically. Um, my opinion always been for growing is it's, it's best to either go full hydro or full organic. Um, it's going to use somebody else's terms, bastardized systems to where you're kind of stuck somewhere in the middle and you kind of get, you don't get the best of, of uh, you're, kind of, you're trying to cherry pick the best of both worlds but you never end up with that because the systems are designed to be independent separately of each other in the sense that if you have a good holistic organic base soil, you cannot treat it with any sort of synthetic vegetable to destroy it. The ecosystem that you've created in the soil, when you're doing synthetic, um, any kind of document that I run into, um, as far as where we mycorrhizal the soils, um, tends to cause problems um, because, one, you have to feed with other stuff in order to keep that cult subculture a lot better, the culture alive, and then two, is it'll switch on you um, where if the water gets too hot, there's aeration and stuff like that. It goes from being a beneficial to being a net negative um, to have it in the root zone. So we just try to run everything to be really sterile, but it's going to be innocuous, CO2 rich. Um, and then just kind of, there's so many different sheets as far as where is mold like? Where, where do we want to get out of mold zone? What's our vapor pressure deficit look like? Um, there's a, there was a, um, I mean, 
what we messed up. Um, heat. We tried to exchange it outside for a hot minute, and the thing is, it's up here. It's like in the winter. Yeah, sure, it's great. Um, free cooling and stuff. You lose out on the, uh, like that one. It's pretty much a non-point kind of CO2 mix because you're just chugging in 400 feet in there from outside. Um, the second we got it sealed and uh, up to our up to our AC tunnels, just went everything really kind of turned around. Um, that and just always never being satisfied with what we have today. We're always, always, always chasing what we saw. That trip is going. Never be happy. As far as mistakes, though, probably not getting CO2 going as soon as we did and then exchanging it outside and tolerating that as long as we did is probably um, just because it's not, it's not a fix. It's a family that And that said, there's plenty of people that exchange it outside and they do just fine. Yeah. Yeah, good news. We're stuck for a long time. Can you talk about uh, some of those strengths? Um, so the base ones are the ones that we saw. Yes. So, okay. So the base strains were, uh, we had a Girl Scout that we actually got from another cultivator's company. Uh, they kept on having coatings on it. It was actually a CD base uh, variety. And, um, we got a bunch of seeds from that. We just kind of wanted the genetic moderate on that. Our Girl Scout technically isn't out of seed pack. It, it's a feminized seed from somebody else's Girl Scout that came out of the Girl Scout um, That being said, it does fit the bill if you look up. Um, Girl Scout cookies, it fits very well for a platform. So that was one of the first ones that we had. But like when, we, when we started, we had a Pink Crack, uh, Crickle Jack, Power Flower, um, a lot of them got mixed. I don't even think we ran it. Northern Lights we ran. Um, that's obviously where we got a little bit because it really didn't help us. That was another piece. It worked out. Um, as far as uh, we got to let our girls go. They were too tall. Uh, ran out there a lot. Kind of narrow on the backside. of one of the colas that we didn't see. And it, it didn't like seed out, seed out the Northern Lights. I think we found a whopping total of like. 40 seeds from that batch. But, um, yeah, and that was literally like one down a pop from one seed. Um, and then we got to work with it. So we do work with Rose North Scout. And as far as what made the above 20% cash, back when we were picking genetics, um, I was actually working out a great line. We were picking genetics before then. Um, the general consensus was 20%, 21% back in like 2017, and that was kind of, if you did like 20, 23, I think, yeah. We are done, we didn't do, we were kind of head, head down as far as we were looking at what everybody else was doing, we kind of didn't know what was going on here. Um, then once we found the wholesale market, we started talking to people like 22 years ago. And then one of the first ones, there's so many things I went through. Boy Scout cookies, it's okay, strange, nobody wants to say that. It was like, okay, well, I should have thought about that, but there's like, with the cookies that we had, you can't really do it. But, uh, two things of Boy Scout, those are both done. Really, really, I definitely think the bus drove the 
Test that 
So it's like even though you get seeds out of your weed, like it doesn't necessarily mean that you get anything close to it. Um, and it's the same thing with when you're buying from dispensaries and stuff. There's a lot of people who are just trying to taste what we have here. Um, we've had that quite a bit. Rogue really gained a lot of popularity. A lot of people started to chase the same gen genetics. And like I told the study earlier, I tried to chase again to try and get maybe a better road grill. Um, I ended up calling purple, but turf profile is completely different. My bus structure was similar um, in the sense of the nuggets, but the, the purple grill is just those massive, massive coils, which is necessarily ideal for, for an indoor grill. Um, but yeah, no matter what you do, it's going to be it's going to be a little different. The main thing is it's just sticking to what you do for yourself, or if you're doing your own cross, it's kind of something that you're going explain um, what you're getting and how you're mixing it and how it's crossed and what gets kept from the parent plants and stuff as far as the turf profile and stuff. And that's the main thing, man. That's what people do with turfs. Because it's like if it's just potency, like the turfs is the thing. Like I, I can go back and like, the turfs are all like similar levels. Like I, we'll get some that hit two and a half up to like five something. I think it's one that we got lately from and the levels are all the same. So that's the thing is it's like that profile, that terpene profile, the levels of what we have with terps are, that's that's kind of fingerprint to that plant. Um, so if all you're doing is potency, it's like there's no it's almost like you're not checking its ID. Um, to where it's like, oh well it's just it's just THC. Because by all rights, um, it was really funny, I did this in my own um, he was talking about how he loved the super stuff so much and it was so great, so different, whatever. Well, I cut the top half of two Tamsesters little soft of the Aurora cookies and the stuff I handed to him and said, which one's stuff, which one's Aurora cookies, and he couldn't tell. Because the like stuff definitely has uh, more pining and stuff like that. I think it has a couple of like a little other trace things, but it's almost like on the top turf wise of the Aurora cookies, but if you smoke it, it's a completely different profile, completely different effect, so there's definitely other aspects that go along with that. Um, and obviously a completely different plant. So the main thing is to just find something, if you get a line on something that you like, don't necessarily focus on the name, focus on anything like that, look at what turps it has, look at um, some of the base strands and stuff, and if you go somewhere else and you don't have what, you, what you're looking for, I'll try and be the point to somebody that does meet you the closest thing I can as far as this has some of those base genetics in there. So I've got to say that um, I'm not sure if it was the ori your original cut of VSC, but um, it is one of my favorite cuts of VSC of, of all time. Yeah. And the, the funny part is, is uh, Durban Poison is very, very sativa. And so when people come in like, I love Durban Poison, I'm not going to say you yeah, when my girl's got because that is not. It's like, yes, it's got Durban Poison genetics, and it's got a little bit of that sativa kick on the front end, but on the back end. Um, if you're going to want to be functioning day to day, you probably don't want to be ripping into that if you're not a, just have to have a crazy tolerance. So I don't know, do you smoke that in the day? No. No, now that I think about it, I don't. And I, I mean, I smoke GSC during the day, but it's like, um, it's like eating something heavy. It's like it, it, it slows you down. It's great at the end of the day. Um, Unplugging, if I'm uh, reading a book, watching a movie, whatever, whatever it is I'm doing at the end of the day to relax. Um, the GSC is, it's like that, putting it to love on it. Right. Well, the nice thing about this GSC is it does have, um, that, that is one of our highest curves. I think it is, I think it's definitely the king of curves um, as far as what we, we produce. Um, I think it's like 535 five, five or something. Um, but it was like 4.2 versus, which is what's going to help THC cross the methane barrier. So it's like that is an indica term. So if, when, if I'm trying to hunt a sativa, um, I'm mainly looking at osmine or osmine. I'll probably pronounce all this stuff. But anyways, osmine, limonene, or um, uh, D3 carrying. Uh, I just read it. English is dumb. Um, as far as how you actually pronounce any of this stuff. But yeah, if you're looking for those main three ones, that's what you're going to want in a sativa. When you're looking at indica, it leans more over towards your uh, mercy, definitely, but most strains have decent 
uh, mercy against the devil is hybridized. Um, but uh, carrier filing, Hubleen, there's, there's a lot of different other terms that kind of help give that pronounced indica effect. And that's the one thing the Girl Scout is in. It does have that spicy. It's got, it does have a little bit of limonene, which is going to be from its, uh, its uh, sativa heritage as far as all the herb uh, poison. But, um, yeah, it's definitely got that spicy, spicy wine flavor to it, but just really, really, really heavy on the mercy. Like, we have more mercy in that strain than a lot of people have. Total herbs. I think it's like four or two something, like just mercy. So it's probably dry health, like crazy for most people. But very, very oily, very, very heavy, heavy body wise. But yeah, it's a great effect on that plant. And then, uh, yeah, obviously, Royal Cookies is completely. Like that's the thing, is that was a one-time crop. That was the, the seeds came off of the Northern Lights, um, and the pollen came off of Petroska. Uh, and uh, a completely different effect. That's a lot more hybridized, it's got a lot more alpha beta pinene. Between the two, between the pinings, it's like one and a half or two percent is between alpha and beta, and it's got some mercy and trace amounts of limonene and stuff like that. Definitely a lot more woodsy. Right. Now, are you a consumer? Um, I do clean hands. So you don't I did not inhale. Okay. Um, so you like the taste? Gotcha. Right. So I, I'm a flavor guy because 90 percent of the time um, I've had I have consumed, but like I'm not a daily user. Um, just because like my days like you saw, my days go from oh yeah hey I can kick back take a little bit of a light day to oh crap I've got to jump through eight different hoops or something like. Not that this really can matter, like obviously I'm coming up here too and stuff like that. But um, it's like I'm always having to do something. Um, and so my problem is when I smoke, if I if I don't have my schedule's never clear and it's never out. So coming from the oil field and trying to build up a tolerance and cap my like I smoke, I've smoked like eight percent CBD strains with like no tolerance over years and stuff. Like, yeah, actually, um, at least me. I I, I get really really stoned and I think it's just a lot of I just don't have the time to build up tolerance. I just always go over the tolerance. I'm keeping up with what I'm doing. Sober, let alone trying to do it while I'm easing into it. Um, easing into a tolerance to actually enjoy what I do. Um, it's funny, Ryan, uh, <laughs> Ryan and Red Ryan went in there and he's like, you still not smoking? He's like, no. He's like, no, not all of us can be Beethoven. He's like, that's great. It's <laughs> a great example. I, it, it's one of the examples, like, as for me, like, I'm, I'm glad you don't smoke. Uh, I'm afraid that a lot of things might fall through the wayside. Yeah, just because there's so much going on. Not to take anything away from, from high functioning potheads. I know it. Oh, dude. Yeah, that's the thing is, it's like, I bet I could get to that level if I had, like, the time to actually build up a tolerance. But it's like, every time I smoke, it's like, just slam dunks me no matter what it is. It's the power lifting of weed smoking. Right. You gotta, yeah, I gotta, I gotta start out with the fives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't start on like 300 on the flat bench. Yeah. Um, no, I, I can't go to honey banana. I can't do 28% honey banana first rep of the function and try to sell anything or drive anywhere or do anything over the sleep. Um, if that's the thing, I don't get a whole lot of sleep. I would love to sit down. Uh, I actually got. He's like, they have these gummies in Majestic. Majestic, And they're CB, CBN, CBD gummies. And I took some of those and that actually helped quite a bit. But I was like, I'd love to try some edibles and stuff. Um, yeah, I actually did a hash before. It was like, uh, the shit. Right, before anybody knew that, like, obviously, Fire Eater was out. But, like, we didn't, we didn't listen to that. Anyways, um, but yeah, I think I had like two, six, yeah, I had like two ashes. And 
I slept really, really good, but definitely if, if anything came up, nope, I'm gonna be functioning enough. Well, yeah, Spiderweed was the first one to the market. Um, yeah, fire eater, yeah. Yeah, fire eater, yeah, 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 fire eater. Um, fire eater, uh, completely different from Dale's uh, Creative Confections. By the way, love their shit. If anyone from Creative Confections is listening, one of my favorite things to do is take your heart candy, mash it up, put it in a shake, shake it up, let it sit for about 30 minutes in the fridge. It's going to dissolve a little bit more. Shake it up some more and slam it. Because I'm an American. Yeah. Yeah, I always wanted to do, uh, I wanted to get into Lady Grey ice cream so when we were building this thing out, I didn't factor in a freezer, a display freezer. Everything's in the fridge and it's, I'm an idiot. We all these coolers, all these, all these just uh, refrigerators. Because what would really be cool is to get some of the fire root beer soda and then do a lady grey ice cream float. Yeah. Um, well, Stony Moose, I don't know if they still do the milk, but you could get Stony Moose milk, put in the lady grey ice cream, and make yourself a nice milkshake. In fact, if you really wanted to, you could shop up uh, one of the, like a lady grey uh, chocolate bar, throw it in there and get really good. I don't know, that's the thing, is, is the edible market in Alaska, I mean, everybody keeps kind of hammering this. Um, like, it is, like, it's great. They moved it up to 100 milligrams and stuff, but compared to other developed markets, it's still a little bit behind the times. Um, the funny part is I get a lot of people that come in, they're still asking for the 50s because they love that little 5 milligram dose. Because um, some of the people that show up up here, I mean, starting kind of a little bit, it's not a return. Going, but like there's still there's some older people up here, some snowbirds that have now put up permanent residence. And they'd really like to just take that little five milligram hit because it just helps them play better. Um, I get it. Um, but yeah, another really interesting one. I had somebody that um, had a back problem, and um, none of my guys made some samples that came in from the uh, Great Northern. Uh, they were just doing it the other day, and they had this THC CBD rub on and stuff. And um, this person was complaining about back pain and uh, didn't want to get high or anything. It was like, well, if you just try that, because THC is supposed to help with blood vessels, whatever. The whole thing is, is schedule one, we can't do anything. We can't research any of this stuff. The rest of the world is light years ahead of us as far as what is medically good about weed and it's just laughable that we're classified the same as LSD and then you've got like the codeine, it's like, I forgot what it is, it's like 150 or 300 milligrams of codeine is schedule three. It's like we have an opioid as a schedule three and weed is, you ever know right up there with LSD with zero medical benefits and it's like why have we not fixed this? Are you, um, are you familiar with Bill Mark? Yes. Okay, so he, uh, he said recently that he, uh, he thinks that the Republicans are going to hijack the cannabis issue and make it a freedom issue um, in the upcoming midterms. As far as they're going to start going pro-cannabis? I, I believe so. Now, I think, um, I don't know what the bill that, that went through Congress looked like. Dude, the one that, it's been the most money talking about, because um, they had a safe banking act. Um, which I don't know if that tech, I, I think there was one that was going to be scheduled, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if that was included in the safe bank. The problem is they're talking about doing a federal excise. Yeah, because apparently 27 to 37%, if you factor in the fact that with the 1080, you can't write anything off. Granted, to be scheduled, hopefully the 1080. If 1080E states that anything to do with tax form in the states, anything to do with the sale and or distribution of cannabis is not tax deductible. Um, so here, there's like nothing. Like, rent, like there's, there's a lot of stuff and it's kind of like a gray area as far as like, okay, do you have an office in the back where you do inventory? Because inventory isn't necessarily anything to do with the retailer sale other than the fact that it's stock checking. So there's like definitely gray areas of what you can and cannot buy. Uh, once the 1080 comes into effect. That's the thing a lot of people understand. Is like, we are taxed half the butt on both ends. Like, on this, as far as the cultivation, um, 800 a pound on Ava. Um, so, and then, and then it's like, so, 
on a in a good scenario, you're getting hit like twenty percent. On a bad scenario, what the market's doing now is a great hit. People trying to hit us at like a it's like a forty percent tax, and then on top of that, anything I keep after that, luckily I can write stuff off of the cultivation because it's not simply transport, um, and wholesale account is retail. Um, other than when we drive to Anchorage or drive anywhere, we can't write any of that off. But, um, but then out of that like 60%, I get to keep after hedging costs and stuff, um, I get an additional 27 corporate tax rate on the low end, I think. I don't know, we might move it. We got to the account for that. But uh, somewhere out in there of, of whatever's left over. And so it's like you just tax them, it's just the same thing that everybody just thinks that they see that you're, oh, you're cannabis, you must be wrong. Yeah. Somebody's making money, it ain't me. States make a decent money off of this. Feds are making great money off of this. And I think that has more to do with why it continues to be a schedule. I think it's more to do because it's what last year hit like a five billion dollar industry or something like no, that. No, yeah. Anyways, I, I might be inflating that. I might be like one billion. A billion is a lot. But uh but yeah, if the government's dipping into 40, 50% of that, yeah, that's half a billion on the low end of taxes that they're making. And it's like, if we deschedule it, it's going to go down to a quarter, which would be fair for other businesses that operate within a legal market. And so it's just insane. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily a red or a blue issue, but if, if the Republicans were going to take up that mantle and try and champion that as a freedom issue, I wouldn't care. At this point, I'm. I'm more frustrated with the fact that we've got dumb people enforcing laws that don't make sense. That happens day in, day out. And it was one of the main reasons I moved up here. And it's like, you still see that. It's like these victimless crimes. And then the whole time, it's like, you, got, you have stories of people, luckily, were legal um, up here. But you hear stories of people like trying to cross state lines to get their kid attention to stop their seizures or to help their kid out with chemo and stuff like that. It's like, does it. Like, we know as far as, it, is, is there a certain habit-forming aspect to we Sure. Same thing with huffing gas. I mean, there, it makes no sense why somebody would continue to huff gas because it's not chemically addictive, right? Um, I know that there's some people that uh, claim that it's, a, that it's mildly addictive, like they don't smoke for a little bit, that they all are really jealous and bored or whatever, but I smoke cigarettes and more for everybody else's health around me. Because it uh, definitely helps mellow me out. But, um, but yeah, weed is, it's like, to, for how innocuous it is, that it's not, it's not going to hurt anybody. And it's like, well, I mean, to a certain extent, because psychosis and stuff. Some of the concentrates and the designer drugs are the only thing that I really worry about. But everything's fun in moderation. But like if you start dabbing 99% THCA and stuff like that, and you've got a predisposition for psychosis, in your, it can onset that early potentially. But it's the whole thing on, well, if you take the vaccine, you're not going to get as sick. Is that really provable? Because it's like obviously if your psychosis set in, was it going to set in anyways? Or did you accelerate that by using cannabis? The same thing with the vaccine. Like, if you take it, you're going to get less sick. Yeah, there's no quantifiable way to prove that. It's like, yes, science says, yeah, your immune system is able to crop that down. It's not to get over the facts. That's going to be the best. Yeah, yeah, uh, enough about chicken pox. Mm -hmm. I won't be able to actually put this on YouTube. Oh, oh yeah. Monetize. Yeah, well, I'm not monetized anyway, so it doesn't matter. But so they're going to flag the shit out. Flag it, take it down, shadow ban it. Yeah, like that's, and that's where it gets really awkward for me. What is what is the area that like like I know on Facebook you can't really talk about weed you know, on Instagram nobody can talk. Um, so Meta has two different standards for two different platforms. That's fine. One is one is people's um, you know pictures, their cats, and whatever their ideas and political feelings are. And the other one is generally speaking pictures and memes and. Um, I don't know. Facebook and more uses. I don't know how much I want to do it. I keep getting hit up for that, that, and I don't know how many government grants are wanting to give me money for the seven bucks and so forth. It's getting worse. Oh my gosh. 
Um, yeah, social media is a, is a weird place. It's a weird place to exist. Because it's not an actual place, however, in a best case scenario or worst case scenario, it, it ends up having real world effects. What happens there? Right. So, yeah. What do you think of Musk by Twitter? Uh, so, um, I bought Twitter uh, when I bought some Twitter when I when I started hearing rumors, and it's been up and down, up and down, up and down. So. He's in a very interesting place because if he completely tries to pull out the handle, um, he's going to be hit with some kind of funding. Uh, there, there was well, not done yet. Well, no, there's a like at some point they've got like fees attached to as far as they've gone. Like the deal's not done. Um, you know, his plan is to take over, or maybe it's not. Maybe the goal, is, maybe his goal is to devalue. It. He's a troll. He, <laughs> he he loves trolling stuff, which I appreciate. Well, he he brought up like publicly the number of bots, mm -hmm. like, um, and if you are sitting on the board of Twitter, it's bad for your advertisers to know how many of your users are actually people. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, I think that when he brought that much attention to it, that, that was like a thing that hurt. So like I've got like another running idea that um, the, the current president's uh, speaker, um, like it was it was Jen Psaki. So the the newly right. Um, one of the first pictures that she posted on Instagram. Uh, she was wearing an Ivanka Trump dress. She was her wife. She's a lesbian. She's a black lesbian. Oh, and, of course. That makes sense. Well, hear me out. Her first photo, her first public photo with her wife on Instagram, she's wearing an Ivanka Trump dress. You know that's an Ivanka Trump. You know who just hired you, and you know what labels on the back of the dress you're wearing. You have all of these dresses that you could have worn. The one that you choose to wear is the one that was designed by the daughter of the last guy that had the had the job. What a super contentious relationship with your current boss. Now I don't know if you've seen any of her uh, any of her interactions with the press, but she's not doing a great job. She, she stumbles a lot. Uh, and on one hand, I'm sure it's because she's new. On the other hand, I'm pretty sure she's working for uh, for the, the, the Trump agency. You are a cute person. She's your hero, right? She's the one that's doing uh, the, the, the most damage to um, whatever whatever the unified idea is that Biden, the, the president, thinks he's saying. Um, she's saying something completely different almost all the time. Um, so I am I'm beginning to believe that uh, that this woman is uh, is a Trump cult. Like this person. Works for for former President Trump, and I'm a libertarian. You say I'm a, I voted for Gary Johnson because he faked a heart attack on stage. Uh, for those of you that are unaware, uh, former presidential candidate um, Gary Johnson was doing a public debate, uh, and the topic was uh, legalized cannabis. And the woman he was discussing this with said something to the effect of. Um, you know, that's how you smoke weed. Ten minutes after you smoke weed, your chance of a heart attack goes up X percent, right? This dude who's running for president clutches his chest and falls out of his chair, <laughs> which means he partied in the last ten minutes. Uh, I voted for that guy, and the last time uh, I voted for uh, Joe Jorgensen. So yeah, I'm not a solid libertarian here, but I'm also a guy that gets into conspiracy theories, whether or not they're real. Like, well, the thing is, is no matter what, because like even on our local level, right? Even our local level, they can You ran into that before asking the wrong questions. You ask the wrong questions, and the conversation sucks. So um, I don't think I've actually talked about that on the podcast. So. On uh, Cinco de Mayo, I went to a Republican Party fundraiser for Nick Begich, and it was hosted by Tucker Lynn Baptist. You can say, I am not a Republican, but all these fundraisers that are open to the public, they always have to like, I'm all about some snacks. And he's the person who might be your next congressman or 
your next state senator, your next representative, you get to kind of meet these people and see who's in the press. So they open up the floor to questions from candidate Nick Begich, who is the uh, Nick Begich the third, who is the son of Nick Begich the second, who is the cool Nick Begich, he's the one that does on InfoWars and says all of the cool, crazy shit, right? He's like basically my breadwinner, all right? Um, anywho, he, uh, he's the son of that guy, and he's the nephew of the former Republican, or Democratic governor of, was he, was he the governor? Was Mark, Mark Begich, was he the governor or was he the senator? But he comes from a, it comes from a family legacy. Like this goes back like generations. And first off, I hate nepotism. Right? No, no disrespect to the Warner Brothers. Oh, well, um, this is this is a little bit animal. This is a way different animal. This is this is public policy. This is um, this is public discourse. This are, these are your elected officials and leaders. And whether or not they're part of this part of a, a different party, they're part of the same family. And they are financially embedded together. And that was one of the, when they were asking questions, one of the smart questions that someone asked was, uh, what is your, you know, your financial relationship with your Uncle Mark? And he broke into, you know, he has to be honest there. Um, these are my financial connections. We have different ideologies, but we're financially invested in the same thing. I don't know how that necessarily works. I mean, I try to, in, when I'm investing in stocks, I invest in shit I, I, I believe in or that I use, something like that. In the case of Mark and McBaggage, they are on two polar ideological um, uh, universes, you know? Uh, well, when you got both sides of the same coin, you win them up a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. So that happens, that's not just local. It happens federally too. Yeah, yeah. And you got the same people donating money to the NRA, and then you got the same people that are donating money to the flip side because they don't yeah. care who wins. Oh, as long as the curtain stays up, they can keep all the strings. Yeah, I mean it's, it's a it's a it's a very crazy thing, and yeah, you do see it. You saw it with the uh, with the Navarre family and Kenai. Um, it becomes a generational thing, and nationally, you saw it with the Bushes, the Roosevelts, uh, more so with the Bushes. Like you got yeah. Well, the Kennedys got got into that. Oh, yeah. But the the Kennedys, the Kennedys started out moonshining, right? Yeah, they were. They were. They were uh, not mob, but it was during prohibition. Joe was connected, right? Joe was Joe was connected, and there's um there's no way around uh around. Hey, we should buy this. Oh, you got money? <laughs> you don't. You don't need money. I think you need. You need photos. <laughs> you want a politician? You get photos. That's, that's, that's the cheap way. That's the discount coupon. Um, you just go to flash the admiral. Okay. No, that is a, this was on me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But what was that mayor one? Um, did, did, who remixed that? The one with the the news tape in Anchorage. Um, oh yeah. So yeah. that was me. That was yeah. So with um. With uh, uh, Marina Athens. Yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah, that was, dude, that was me. I made that. I also did a remix of that. I took the music from the was like, like have a great Friday, you motherfucker. <laughs> I, you know, I might, I might, I might put that in the very, very, very beginning. Yes. That's great. Uh, maybe I'll put it at the very end. You know, I'll put it at the very end. You're listening at the very end. You know, I'll keep the song at the end. But yeah, that was, um, that was my guy. Um, but I, I did one where I chopped up uh, the intro to the Here's Friday I'm in Love. Have a great Friday, you motherfucker. Ethan, I love you. <laughs> the fact that that voicemail got leaked. There, but one of the things I never talked about either was the connection that that had to the Peanut Peninsula. Mm -hmm. um, and I still, I, I, still, I still have it. I still haven't gone hilarious with all this, with the whole PFT and all this other crap that they're doing. Is this Permanent fund dividend. That's a check that you get for living in Alaska for more than 18 months. Yeah. Anyways. Um, but, uh, yeah, how they keep, like, where are we going to fund this? Like, are you guys already spend the money? Anyways, what's really funny with all this is a lot of, I mean, there's there's money getting thrown around everywhere, whether it's uh, federally earmarked or whether it's state or whatever. Um, there's a lot of money that gets thrown around, and what always kind of bugs me a little bit is it's like we're trying to enforce a grocery tax down here, which is uh, higher taxes in the summer, and it's supposed to help 
pre-made food anyways it's done. They keep trying to push it through to make it year-round. And it's like, oh yeah, fuck us. Um, and then the whole time it's like a lot of these projects and some of the state money is going to Anchorage projects and there's a lot of federal money that goes into that too. It's like, so why don't you guys just state like a one or two percent sales tax in Anchorage to help pay for your shit? It's, it's our largest population, populated city. And yet, yeah, I've got, I've got a question for you now that we're talking about Anchorage. Um, and it being the biggest city and it has infrastructure and it has big buildings that aren't being utilized right now. Well, the government does because they own that Atwood building or they own it but they rent it and the whole time we're paying taxes to put them up in the last freaking skyscraper. So why is, for all intents and purposes, why is our functional capital in Juno? They need other, aside from, aside from corruption, aside from the obvious corruption, uh, because it's, it's away from the people. And that's why you hang, like if you Google so Trump Masters Clubs, you'll find uh, well, The funny part is the other funny aspect about Juno, did you know it's one of, per capita, it's one of the highest incoming places to live. Like most people in Juno make a shit ton of Same thing with, with well, Apple. Right, yeah. but the really funny part about Juno is you know where they're getting their money? The government. Everybody there is either a government official or they're either working for the state, federal, whatever. Yeah. But it's like it's one of I, I can't remember. You know, quote me on this, but it's like in like I think it's in like the top twenty as far as per capita income per family. It's in like the top twenty as far as most households make a shit ton of money. And most and the only commodity they really have there is government and tourism. And tour now, when was the last time you were in Juneau? Never. Okay, so, which sucks, because I feel like as a resident of the state of Alaska, they should cover your flight to Juneau at least once a year. But, um, but I, I've been to, I've been to Juneau, and, and it's, it's boats, and every day is, well, is 20 and 30, there's a ton of fucking boats coming to that town. It's, it's tourism, um, but if you make Juneau not the capital, those tourists are still gonna come for a while. Right. Um, but that, but that year-round infrastructure that you, that, yeah, you get from the. Well, yeah, it's gonna look like Skagway. Juno's gonna end up looking like Skagway. Skagway's fucking beautiful. It, it's beautiful, but as, as far as it, it's only hinging on tourism. So as far as the aspect of it, immediate income for, because like the same thing as Cooper Landing. I think year-round, twenty people live in Cooper Landing. Not my problem. Not my problem. I'm, so, I'm a resident and I pay taxes here. And the taxes here are outrageous because we have a capital that is not accessible by the, by well, the road system. You have to take a boat or you have to take a plane. We had, um, we had the, the well, state so the, the reason it's there is because Juneau was, that was one of the first big cities that was founded because initially when Alaska was a thing, back in, I mean, Wyatt Tombstone and stuff, he fucking died up here somewhere. You know, Kena was supposed to be the capital when <laughs> Russia had this. This place, Kenai, was supposed to be the capital. In, in all reality, if they did, if they did the capital in some place like Willow, um, someplace central, because um, if, if you're in Willow, you're you're almost equal distance from. Because like the road system isn't very well developed here. But if you move the capital to someplace like Willow, to where it's not already choked up with all this commercial shit, because the main thing is, is they're like, oh, it'd be really expensive to move the capital to Anchorage. It's like, right, because all the land's already taken up. If you did a capital building in Willow, or if you moved it to Willow, uh, Nanana, anywhere around in there, and make it more central on the highway system, um, I think that would be better because as far as our government, it would have equal access from everybody instead of being this far off removed place that they could either not show up, not vote at all, or do whatever the hell they want and then try and spin it a completely different way. Oh no, I've got your back. It's like, then why did you vote? For that, instead of if you have, why do you feel the need to do this political ad saying that you're not against me when you literally just voted against us? Yeah. So I like G I like Anchorage because it already has an infrastructure. It already has uh, big wired buildings that aren't being utilized. Like when BP left, right? They left a huge. There's a huge space. Right. Well, I I would prefer it. I would prefer the capital to not be in Anchors, there's enough shit going on there. Um, just because it's like as far as ease of access and stuff like that, if they had it, I think there was actually a petition to move to some place like Willow, either Willow or Houston, I can't remember. I don't know, just don't know any of that shit. But, um, it would be, 
I think that would be more fair play somewhere off the former Wasilla, like in that T. Yeah. Did it there because there's plenty of land out there. Oh, absolutely. You do it in the valley. I'm, I'm spitball in Anchorage because it already has an airport right there because it already has. Well, they want a beautiful capital building. Is there a capital building as you know? Uh, they, they do. It, it, it looks like a fucking office building. It looks it looks like a, like a post office in a city. Like it's not a, like the building that they work in isn't like any kind of special building. And in fact, it's, it was probably built in the 40s or 50s and the wiring is from the 40s and 50s. I feel like if they moved to Anchorage, they'd have better resources or they built something new, uh, maybe in the valley. Well, the, the whole thing is, is for a lot of, a lot of um, states, they, yeah, Jesus says, it's, yeah. Just, it's just a building. Oh, no, looking it, it up. It's just a fucking it's building. It's just a fucking place. It literally looks like standard, um, like the bottom half, it looks like a standard uh, state capitol building without a dome or anything. It literally looks like a apartment building to be shit on top Yeah, yeah. So, um, but like in Utah, they have a, I mean, most of these states have a nice... Something beautiful. Right, they have a nice whatever. It's like, fuck, do it here. So, so let's really think about that. Though. So they have these big, gigantic buildings that probably took two years to build year-round. If you're in Juno, you don't necessarily have the same uh, building season, um, and it, it costs exponentially more. So if you have a solid building that was built in the 50s, it's staying there, right? That's why that's why the art, the governor's mansion is right behind a shitty apartment. Like, and then there's there's a shitty apartment complex behind. It's just like Whittier. Whittier's got that one building. How old? How old is that? I don't know. And man. Um, that's because there's nothing to build on. Yeah, there's no space. But that's my thing is if they moved it out north, that would generate, I don't know, north of Anchorage. Somewhere in the valley, Eagle River, maybe farther, I don't know. I think they put it in Anchorage, they have to clean up Anchorage. I think that's where... Uh, you're never going to clean up Anchorage. All, all, cities, all cities look like that. Uh, but like not that. most capitals. Like, in, I mean... Most capitals, the most state capitals are at least a little bit cleaner than your most. Well, no, they're city. They're, oh, yeah, yeah. You're talking, I thought you meant as far as. I hate Anchorage. I don't know how many times I've seen somebody tweaking, rolling, shooting up, whatever, just driving down Anchorage. This is one time I drove down there, there's a naked shit pants on the side of the road. And like, is this. Okay, we're, gonna, we're just rolling with this. Okay. And it's just like, I hate this place. I hate this place. I mean, there's parts, right? But, um, but yeah, as far as cleaning it up, you mean physically actually clean it up? Yeah. It's like a turd. You gotta, sometimes you gotta polish the turd. Anchorage is a city that has all of the potential in the world to be a very cool city. Yeah, just imagine you built it like the 80s and it just didn't know maintenance. I mean, there's some. But yeah, but there's stuff that was built in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, that was my favorite thing about um, that Frozen Ground film with Nicolas Cage and John Cusack. Is they didn't have to, you know, they didn't have to look far. <laughs> you know, like, like old, dilapidated buildings that these people could live in. Does this look like a house that was a piece of shit in the '60s? Yeah, yeah. because it was a piece of shit. was a piece of shit in the '60s. Um, they just kind of redid the street Yeah. Well, sir, we've been rolling for almost an hour. Um, I gotta thank you for your time. I know that you've got stuff to do. You're a businessman. You're a farmer. You got shit to do and places to go yeah. and stuff. Plenty of hats to wear at this place. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, All right. So, uh, Alan Warner, one more time. The uh, retail itself is in the old Mosquitoes Building on the Sterling Highway. Um, you can't miss it. It's a big weed fly or like a big weed sign. Yeah, I mean, it's right on the yeah. It's on the river. If you if you go over the bridge, just turn left. Yeah, you're heading out of town. It's the, if you're it's, leaving Soldat, that's the first thing you want. Right after this. So, yeah, we're right out here. We got some of the best prices I think for the quality that we have. I would say the best prices. People do some dumb shit as far as pricing on stuff, but fair enough. Um, because that's sometimes what you have to do. Now you dropped the price on the uh, refine loud, correct? Right, we're trying to. So I get stuff's expensive right now. Um, prices are high. You should be too. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, so yeah, we've dropped the refine down to where um, it doesn't hurt, but it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Um, 
But I mean, I'm, I'm in a special situation uh, as far as I can, if I can move this stuff and you guys like the price, I'll keep moving it at this price. Um, it is some quality stuff. I think Refine does an amazing job. I think it's a fair price at what they charge for it for the quality based on whatever, what else is out there. Um, but if you guys want to sample it and try it, you get hooked on it. It's a, uh, yeah, we dropped it down to 70. Plus everybody else had it like 80, 85. We had it at 80. Uh, I want to move it. Um, I want you guys to try it. I've got, uh, they run most of our flour and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, if you love our flour, you're going to love Refine's concentrates because they do it, they do it justice as far as what's, what's going into the product. Yeah, I got the uh, the notorious uh, Turk sugar. I thought it was really, really good. Oh, I think it was so good. Right. Okay. All right, yeah. Thank you. I was trying.